Wednesday, January 24th, 2018. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you, as always, by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, Bucks County. I'm Jim Chesko, Chet to most, and can you believe it? The Eagles have one more game to play this season. You know the one, as Merrill Reese pointed out late Sunday evening. For the first time in 13 years, the Eagles are headed for the Super Bowl at a rematch with the New England Patriots in Super Bowl 52. And all of you, the best fans in the NFL, deserve every bit of it. Thank you, Merrill. Hey, before we get started, a big get well shout out to my radio partner, Bill Furman, who was under the weather tonight. Yeah, it seems to be one of those nasty upper respiratory things that is making the rounds. Hang in there, Chiefs. Now, Bill did get to go to the link on Sunday for that amazing NFC championship, he and our buddy Bob Sullivan, and they saw a gem. Not a great game in terms of competitiveness, but a masterful performance by the Eagles on both sides of the ball. After the Vikings scored on their opening drive, it was all birds. Doug Peterson, Frank Reich, John Filippo, Jim Schwartz and company clearly had everybody ready to play. Doug called a great game, and the players executed. Nick Foles had that seven-touchdown game against Oakland back in 2013. But you know what? What he did on Sunday against the Vikings and their top-ranked defense was even more impressive, if you ask me. He ran the offense flawlessly. And just look at his final numbers. 26 of 33 for 352 yards, three touchdowns, and a passer rating of 141.4 in a conference championship game to boot. We'll talk more about Nick and the Eagles as a whole as we go along, and we have two terrific guests, a couple of guys who bleed green to join in the conversation. First up will be the invincible one himself, the great Vince Papali, and then later on it's our pal from the Barkan Foundation who is a Birds season ticket holder and another lifelong fan, Mike Barnes. We will try to squeeze in some Sixers talk as well, and Flyers. Both teams are moving on up in the standings. Of course, we'll try to forget that horrible loss by the Sixers Monday night against the poor, shorthanded Memphis team when Brett Brown's squad committed a whopping 24 turnovers and again blew a double-digit lead. Ouch. But the big focus this week and next, of course, has to be the Eagles. I'm still in, in kind of shock from what I saw on Sunday evening. I'll tell you what, I picked the Eagles last week, I think by four, 20 to 16 or 24, 20, something like that. I did think they would win. That wasn't just my heart talking. I really, you know, gave it some thought and thought the Eagles would get past the Vikings, thanks in part to their home field advantage. But as the week went along and especially into the weekend, I was just getting more and more confident. Like I really, really, really felt the Eagles were going to beat the Vikings and advance to the Super Bowl. And come game time, you know, the Vikings scored on that opening drive, and I still wasn't even overly worried. I felt pretty good that the Eagles were going to come back. And, of course, they got the pick six, and they did turn things around after that. It was all birds after that. And while we had that in mind, uh, uh, let me mention uh, the Patrick Robinson pick six. That was just huge. I love the way he directed traffic. I loved, of course, the fact that he got in the end zone. Let's hear Merrill's call about Patrick Robinson pick six. Kano. 
Goes into a long count. Straightens up. Takes the snap. Here comes the rush. He's hit, and it's intercepted. It's picked off by Robinson. Robinson at the 30. Cuts back across the field. Patrick Robinson looks for a block. Now he's at the 20. He's at the 15, the 10, the 5. Touchdown! Patrick Robinson! Great call by Merrill and great play by Patrick Robinson. And I'll tell you, what, what a pickup P-Rob has been. You know, in the summer during the, the preseason games, there was some talk that maybe, just maybe, he might not even make the team. Well, he made the team, and he's played pretty well all season long, and that was the best play, of course, of his season and probably of his career. Patrick Robinson getting the Eagles started after falling behind 7 nothing early. So great job by him. And great job of the Eagles defense after that. And, of course, Nick Foles and company on offense. Now, if all goes well, we're going to have our guest join us in just a moment. So uh, let's see if we can get Vince Papali on the line with us. A couple other things before we get to the Eagles. Uh, just before airtime, we found out that Jim Tomey is one of the new members of the Baseball Hall of Fame. I was really happy to see that. Um, the Baseball Hall of Fame will welcome several new members this summer, including the former Phil Slugger, played most, much of his career with the Cleveland Indians, of course. That is awesome news. In addition to Tommy, the Hall will welcome outfielder Vladimir Guerrero, Padres closer Trevor Hoffman, and Braves third baseman Chipper Jones. Previously, the Veterans Committee elected Jack Morris and Alan Trammell to join the Hall this July. In case you're wondering, both Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens got about 57% of the writers' votes. That's higher than previous years, but still not the needed 75% to gain election. Once again, congratulations to Jim Tomey, what a great guy, and the other new members of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Kurt Schilling, in case you're wondering... Didn't make it. He did get 51% of the vote. You know, better than he has gotten in recent years, but still well short of the needed 75%. We'll talk some Flyers and Sixers as we go along. But the focus, as I said, is the Eagles. It's a shame we have to wait 11 days. That's a week and a half. And I'm ready for the game right now. After seeing what they did on Sunday evening, the Eagles taking it to the Vikings. And it was funny to look at some of the Minnesota newspapers on Monday. I like to do that sometime after big games. We saw things like uh, vaunted Vikings defense got whooped when it mattered most, dot, 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 by Nick Foles. That was from the Twin Cities Pioneer Post. Let's see, the Minneapolis Star Tribune said, back home empty-handed, Vikings suffer blowout loss to Eagles. Another one from the uh, same newspaper, Vikings vaunted defense puzzled by its ineptness. So, yeah, Minnesota Thought that they would have a good shot, even though it was on the road. They had the number one defense in the league. But when it all was said and done, the Vikings just could not get it done against the Eagles. And it was a blowout victory, 38-7. All right, we do expect to be joined in just a second by Vince Papali. And we'll talk plenty more Eagles football, including what Vince thinks about the Super Bowl coming up 11 days from now. Eagles and Patriots, Tom Brady and company. You know, don't they ever get tired of winning up there in New England? They've got the five Super Bowls with Brady and Belichick. The guy's 40 years old. Shouldn't he be retired by now? I guess not. Nick Foles, though, is cover boy for Sports Illustrated this week. And, boy, he deserves all the accolades because that was just one amazing game that Foles had. I mentioned the statistics for Foles, 26 out of 33, 352 yards, three touchdowns. That passer rating of 141.4, he came up big. You know, we had some doubts after the last five quarters that he played in the regular season, 
But, boy, did he come up big when it mattered most, first against Atlanta and then against the Vikings. All right, we are ready. It is time to welcome our first guest. And you know what? We've even got some appropriate music for our guest, old number 83 himself. Let's get to that right here. Yeah, old number 83, Vince Papali. Hey, Vince, it's Chet. How you doing? Hey, Chet, old number 83. Watch yourself. What? <laughs> Not that old. <laughs> I How love those doing? old jerseys, by the way. Yeah, oh, the, 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 the Kelly Green and the stripes, it was absolutely fantastic. So how you guys doing, all right? Doing all right. Well, Bill's not doing so hot. He's actually out sick tonight. He's got one of those upper respiratory things, so I'm flying solo. Uh, I've got you to join me now. Later on, your old buddy and mine, Mike Barnes, is going to be on with me. So we're going to have a good show, have a lot of fun. Yeah, Barnes, he's a great guy. He does such a tremendous, tremendous job with the Healing Hearts Foundation with Michael Barkan. So, yeah, good old Mike Barnes. So, so what's I, you know what? I've been out of Philly for the last uh, since the game was over. What's uh, what's going on back home? I'm down actually I'm right down in uh, Jupiter, Florida, right now. Oh my goodness! There is so much excitement. I mean, between now and February fourth, we're going to hear a lot of stories and you'll hear every possible angle about this game. But I got to ask you, you know, as a former player yourself, and as a guy who, as you noted, bleeds green all the time. What are your feelings about this situation right now, the Eagles heading to Super Bowl 52? Oh, my God, I'm out of my mind. I'm ecstatic. I mean, this is as good as having a movie made about you. And, and uh, just to start off the Eagles and my team, uh, you know, it is, it's, it's obvious. I played 40 years ago, 35 years ago. But, you know, I dreamed of being an Eagle, and here's my team there. And, and I feel a special connection to the team because of my relationship with uh, Doug Peterson and a couple of the ball players. And uh, this is pretty special. And, and I uh, – just found out today that I was able to secure four tickets for the game for me, my family, Janet, uh, Gary O, and Vinny. So, uh, and then I'll be heading out to uh, Minneapolis uh, actually later on this week. So, uh, pretty excited about it. Can't even believe that it's going to happen. Oh man! And that you is know, fantastic. and then of course, oh yeah, I mean, and and they're the dogs, of course, you know, and and I, and I'm and I, you know, I've already done a several interviews from around the country. And, uh, you know, I said, well, you know, why even play the game? You know, it's, it's Tom Brady. It's the uh, New England Patriots. They've already anointed these guys the Super Bowl champions. And, and uh, they were pretty much saying the same thing against the Falcons, and they were saying the same thing against the Vikings. And uh, look what they did. You know, I, I heard you say, I mean, those last five quarters of football that Nick Foles has played are five of the most pure football you'll ever see coming from a quarterback. I mean, it was flawless. And, and some of the, you know, I, I, you couldn't really appreciate it when you're watching the game, Chet. Uh, you know, up in the stands and you're caught up in all the excitement and the things that are happening. So after the game was over, I had a couple of buddies with me. They were staying over. They came from out of town. We went back and we watched the game. And the more I watched the game and just went, this saw the replays and some of the things that Nick Foles did uh, to make adjustments, to, 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 to get himself to move around in the pocket and, and a couple of those throws he made, basically when he was on his heels, uh, I was just, you're kidding me. I mean, he, 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 you would convince me the guy was a backup quarterback. Yeah, pretty amazing. Hey, you mentioned you're going to the Super Bowl. Have you been to Super Bowls before, Vince? No, I've been to about 15 of them, yes. Uh, I've been to every <laughs> one of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, with, with being the alumnus, uh, the alumni, the, uh, some people don't know uh, what to do better with their money or their time, so they bring us down to, <laughs> to do certain events. And I, I've got, I've actually got a really cool event going on down there Tuesday night. I'm going to be with Andre, uh, Andre Reed and 
and Larry Sanders and Tutal Jones. And we do a thing called Laughing with Legends. Joe Piscopo's coming down, and, and we're going to do a little, uh, a, a little skit on, you know, try to convince somebody that we're not what we are, you know. And, and, and we did it in Dallas a few months ago, and it turned out real good. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going there. And um, I got a new book coming out, you know. It's called Last Laugh, uh, Vision to Victory, Dennis Franks and I. And, it, and it's actually uh, doing a pre-release in Miami. Uh, next Thursday and Friday, so I'm going to fly back from Minneapolis to Miami uh, for that pre-release, and then Saturday flying back up to uh, Minneapolis for the game, and you know, just just going to hang out and have a good old time. Oh, we'll talk to you more about the book uh, down the road for sure. Hey, you mentioned Nick Foles. Is he back to his 2013 form all of a sudden, or is he just a guy who's riding a great wave right now? I think a guy. He's, I, I really believe that he's extremely confident. He, he's got a strong, strong arm. And, uh, and and he's extremely intelligent, and he knows Doug's system. And, you know, if you know Doug, and he said he really didn't game plan for those last couple of games uh, once he knew that he had the, the home field secure. And, uh, you know, the whole thing was just to, to, to rest everybody and make sure that they weren't going to get banged up. And, um, you know, Nick had that time off. Uh, the way I looked at it is uh, those couple of three games that he played at the end of the season were preseason games for him. And now, you know, he's into the regular season, and he's – He's found his form, and most importantly, it seems like he's found his rhythm. And uh, I'll tell you what, to me, is I'm, I'm really happy to see that, um, that Tory Smith is finally contributing. You know, I mean, he's, that catch he made uh, in, in, the, uh, in the corner of the end zone was probably worth his, his salary just to make that catch. Because, and, and the throw that Nick made, uh, you know, off the flea flicker there, it, it was just a spectacular drop in the bucket throw. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's just everybody seems now to be making plays and, and you just can't lay it all on a quarterback. And, you know, my God, the defense after that first series, they just shut him down. It totally confused. It totally confused the quarterback. I know you've been impressed with the job Doug Peterson has done this season. How good a coach is he? Well, you know, I, I've always likened him, likened, likened him to, to Coach Dick Vermeer, my coach, uh, you know, not, not – not in physical stats or anything else like that, but just the way he approaches things and and his um, and his preparation for the game and his attention to details and all those kinds of things, but also the relationship that he has with his players. And uh, you know, and he does other things off the field that not football related that um, you know I'm really aware of. And, and, and he's just you know, I mean, he he's a tremendous golfer. He's a, he loves cooking on the grill. You know, uh, he loves his music. Uh, <laughs> you know, we go to concerts with him and his family a, a lot of times in the off season. But he, you know, the, the thing about Doug is that you know he, he's putting the team now in a position to win, and and he's a great delegator. He's given a lot of uh, a lot of delegate delegation rights to. Frank Reich and John DeFilippo. And, uh, you know, he doesn't have to worry about special teams with Dave Fipp. You know, that one anomaly play against the Falcons was such a weird play. You can't blame it on anybody. And, uh, and, and of course, he's got Frank. I mean, and he's got Jim Schwartz as defensive coordinator, former head coach. He, you know, and, 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 you know, it was interesting in the beginning of the year, the press was, was trying to show some sort of a division that Schwartz was going to do everything he can to have a mutiny against Doug Peterson, which was such crap. Yeah. And and now look at it, you know, and look at the way everything's blending. And, you know, I, I guess Doug's reward for all this, he's probably going to lose a, a couple of three of those coaches to uh, to other teams if it's, an, if it's an upward move. 
Hey, Vince, I want to ask you about this. Zach Ertz last week after the win over the Falcons wrote a piece for the Players' Tribune saying, I've never had more fun playing football than I've had this year. I've never been around teammates who love each other like we do. And then he went on to give a big chunk of the credit for that to the Birds' injured starting quarterback saying, everything we're about right now, the resiliency, the togetherness, the commitment, it's all embodied by Carson Wentz. So, Vince, I know a lot of teams that are having success will say those sort of things. Winning cures a lot of issues. But this team just really seems to have that all-for-one mentality, does it not? Yeah, and I think that's the mentality that's been created by Coach Peterson within the locker room. And the trust that's been developed, not only the trust that they have in him and he has in them, but in each other. You know, when you ask somebody, you want to get to true value when you ask somebody who they play for. You would hope that they play for the person, the guy next to them, you know. And I really believe that the Eagles believe that. You know, a lot of guys might say it, but I really think they believe that. And they were devastated when Carson went down. But, you know, Carson's been with them the whole time. You know, he's been there on the sideline, been eyes and ears, you know. And, and Doug has such tremendous respect in Carson. He has no problem. It would be like Tony Romo, you know, when Tony Romo was down. And, you know, his presence on the sideline and, and how much that meant to the Cowboys when he was absent. And, and Carson has that, that same effect on the team. And, and uh, it's just all one. And it's really a beautiful thing to watch. And, you know, everything that was going on with all the discord with the, with the NFL and the national anthem in the, in the beginning of the season, it never, it never hit in the Eagles organization. It, you know, it just always stayed, it stayed calm. And, and Doug handled it, managed it. And, uh, and now look where we are. You know, I mean, you one went away from the biggest win ever for the Philadelphia Eagles and, a big parade, and of course, but you know they don't have a chance. Of course, they're playing Tom Brady, and and they're playing the New England Patriots. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, I mean no one, no one expected the Eagles to win 13 games. Nobody expected that that they'd get to the Super Bowl this year, especially after the Wentz injury. Who or what's been the biggest surprise with the Birds this season? Uh, the biggest surprise, I would think, uh, was the, the fact that they've got just such a great running game. Uh, you know, and, and and they were, you know, when they lost Jason Peters for crying out loud, and and they still managed to do that. And I think another great surprise uh, was that, well, it's no surprise that the, that the continued development of Carson Wentz, and and uh, but I think one of the big was uh, the emergence of Nelson Aguilar, and uh, how much of a contributor he was. You know, the defense wasn't a surprise to me, um, and and the, and the special teams certainly wasn't a surprise. Those guys are they're all in. So I I, I just think the uh, the establishment of a running game and, and having a nice balanced offense to me was one of the biggest surprises of the year. All right. We have to talk about the other guys. You mentioned them briefly, uh, widely considered the greatest NFL coach of all time and the greatest quarterback, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, five Super Bowl rings for that duo. They are going to be tough to beat. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. And I say, when they, when I say what I say about, you know, they're already anointed. I mean, I say that facetiously because you're going against the best. But if you want to call yourself the best, you've got to beat the best, you know. And, uh, and the thing is with the Eagles and their team, they're not going to be in awe of this. You know, they're, they're beatable. Uh, you know, Jacksonville had them. You know, they just let it get away from them. Last, in the last Super Bowl, the Falcons had them. You know, they're not going to have the home field advantage. You know those Eagle fans are going to be down there in Minneapolis. Just that, that, that's all you're going to hear. You know, because New England, the New England fans, well, they've been there, done that, you know, but this with the Eagles, forget about it. That's going to be a sea of green down there. So I'm going to give the home field advantage to the Eagles. And, hey, you know what? you got to play mistake-free, flawless football and not be in awe. How can you not be in awe of their greatness and, you know, a great coach like Tom and, and uh, both, you know, Belichick and Brady? 
But, um, hey, you just got to play your game and have confidence in yourself. Well, my final question before we let you go, Vince, would you care to make a prediction for Super Bowl 52? I uh, sure will. We're going to win the game. <laughs> I'm, I'm not well, a, I hope I'm you're right, man. I, I, yeah, I, you know, I mean, you know, we're going to win by three, six, ten. Who cares? Just win by one. You know, win with a make it a walk-off win. Who cares? But uh, I, I really believe they have what it takes to win, and uh, they've proven themselves. Uh, even if they don't, you know, like the, the great George Foreman quote when he said he was going to get clobbered when he was in his last fight, said the victory's in the participation. But wouldn't it be sweet if they win it? You know, and, and when you're talking to an underdog like me, there's nothing that motivates a person more when they're told that it couldn't be done. And, and you know those guys are playing it down uh, with the press, but inside they're burning because they want to show the world that it can be done and the impossible is possible. And that's what the Eagles are going to try to prove. Vince Pally, have a great time in Minneapolis. Enjoy the game. I know you're going to have fun, man. Uh, thanks, Chet. Uh, take care. Tell, tell your partner. I hope he's feeling better. All right, Chet. See you, buddy. Thanks, Vince. Bye-bye. Thank you. Let's take a break to talk food and drink now with our friend Chris Gaskill from the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn. Hello, Chris. Hey, Chet. Chris, as an Eagles fan, I'm pretty excited. I'm sure you are, too. And i got to ask you, with the birds set to play in that big game with the Roman numerals on February 4th, what does that mean for you guys at the Irish Rover? Oh, that means a great day here. If you are not having a party at home, this is the place to be. We do our $4 tailgate menu all day, plus another great limited menu. We're going to have 225 domestic drafts. We're going to have $4 victory homegrown lagers and our own special Fly Eagles Fly Cocktail. Of course, it's going to be green. So you want to get here early, have a seat, hang with some friends and have a good time. And if you're staying home or going to a friend's house, make sure you pre-order your wings today. Give us a call, 215-970-5412. Is there a deadline to pre-order those wings? We'll be taking orders up until the day of Super Bowl all day long, but sometimes time availability is an issue. So get what time you want now and call us today. All right, exciting times for sure. The big game is February 4th. The Irish Rover Station House is in Langhorn, the website, irishroverstationhouse.com. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chet. All right. Great to talk to Vince Papali, as always. Always such an upbeat guy. And how did I know he was going to pick the Eagles to win the game? Just a hunch. Just a hunch. In a few minutes, we're going to be joined by Mike Barnes from the Barcan Foundation. Mark does a, Mike does a great job with those guys and lots of great events. I try to get to a couple a year. Always a good time and raising lots of money for a good cause. And I want to get back to uh, Merrill's call. Um, the flea flicker was probably my favorite play of the game. Uh, how often do you see an Eagles do a flea flicker? Not very often. Nick Foles said it was the first time it was ever called for him, and it worked out just great. And as Vince noted, it was a perfectly thrown ball to Torrey Smith. And this is how it was called by Merrill Reese on the Eagles Network. They come right back. It's a flea flicker. 
Back to Foles. He's going deep down the far side of the field. And it is caught. Touchdown, Torrey Smith. 41 yards. It's about to get turned up in here. (laughs) Merrill and Mike with the call. That flea flicker just killed me. I I love that. I I jumped out of my seat for that one. That was just fantastic. So that one's in the books. The Eagles beat the Vikings by a score of 38-7. to They dominated the supposed best defense in the National Football League. It was no contest. And, boy, it was just great to see, great to watch. And now we got one more game 11 days from right now. And there are so many keys to the game. But from what everybody's saying and from, you know, my experience watching the Patriots, Getting pressure on Tom Brady is absolutely key. I heard Ron Jaworski say this the other night on the radio, that getting pressure on Brady and especially you know, direct pressure and pushing him back, that's the only way you might be able to rattle him just a little bit. He's never going to be totally rattled. You know that because he's Tom Brady. But uh, if you're going to have a shot, you've got to get pressure up the middle on Tom Brady. Make him go backwards, as Jaws put it. So that'll be the task for the Eagles' front four the front seven, the, the eight guys who, you know, go in and out of the, the front four. Uh, it's going to be key to get pressure on Mr. Brady if the Eagles are going to deny him and Belichick that sixth Super Bowl ring. You know what? I see he's on the line, so we're going to welcome our next guest. He is another diehard Eagles fan. He is the executive director for the Barkan Family Healing Hearts Foundation, and he's one of the most passionate Eagles fans I've ever met. He's a season ticket holder. And he's a phenomenal tailgater also, I can tell from experience. I've been there. Mike Barnes. Hey, Mike. What's up, guys? Happy New Year. How about this Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles team? This is amazing. Oh, my goodness, Mike. First of all, it is We're just me. I am flying. Oh, man. I'm flying solo, by the way. Bill is out sick tonight, so it is you and me, pal. We're going to talk Eagles for the next 10 or 12 minutes, if that's all right with you. Well, I hope Bill, uh, Bill feels better. Um, and I apologize for my, my voice. I've had some pretty tough uh, problems with sinuses, uh, as probably everybody else has. But the yep. feeling right now, Jim, is just, you know, it's, it's amazing. And that game the other night was incredible. It's by far the best sporting event I've ever been to. And uh, the environment in the, the link was electric. And as you mentioned, it all started with our tailgate. Um, the tailgating <laughs> on Sunday was on another level. Uh, our good friend Rose Cunningham he used to run David Akers Foundation, puts together an amazing tailgate with her friends. And, of course, we had David Akers stop by, and the energy even before the game was like I've never seen anything in, in before, even going back to 2005 when we won the NFC Championship game against the land. Of course, that was a cold day. The weather, we had beautiful weather. You know, it was you know, close to, I don't even know what the, the high was, but it was it was warm. The tailgating was great. And then, obviously, that interception by Robinson um, really turned the tide. And from that point on, the Eagles took control of the game and just decimated the Vikings. And I'll tell you, Jim, it was fun to watch. Mike, in addition to your sinuses, I'm I'm thinking the 10-hour tailgate may have taken a little toll on you as well, don't you think? I I think the tailgates from this season have taken a toll. (laughs) And I do not mind because – this, by far, for me as an Eagles fan, you know, for all of my years, I mean, I, I started watching Eagles with my dad, the Buddy Ryan era, but this has been the, the, the best season I can ever remember as an Eagles fan. Just the games, the Giants game when Elliott made the kick, how hot it was that day, and, 
you know, that Carolina game, and then you go to the Rams when the players jumped into the stands, and, of course, we lost Carson that night, how emotional that game was. This season has been quite a ride, and it's not done yet. We've got one more. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, the 2004 season was great. You know, we had T.O. The team went 13-3. and It was 13-1 and before the last two meaningless games. But they were expected to be good, whereas with this exactly. year's team, predictions were, you know, seven wins, eight wins, maybe, maybe ten wins, and a wild-card playoff spot. Instead, they went 13-3 and three and could have won, you know, one or two beyond that. They, they could have won that last game if they needed to. And, you know, all the injuries they played through. So that, that's, for me, the most surprising thing and the most rewarding thing, the fact that they fought through all those injuries and now they're embracing that underdog status, which I think is working for them. So, yeah, as you said, this has been one of the most fun seasons in my lifetime, and I'm older than you, pal. You're not that much older than me, Jim. I turned 40 on Saturday, so I'm, I'm very excited. And what I will say about this team, and, and I think I'm sure Vince alluded to it, it's a team, you know, and we don't find this anymore in professional sports for the most part. And they're every week, for me, a different player has stepped up and made a major contribution for this team to win every week. And, you know, I, I hear on sports radio, a lot of people are talking about uh, this is destiny and, and you know, it's meant to be and everything's falling into place. And, and I kind of disagree with that, and here's why. This team has played consistently all season long. They've, they've played very well from week one to week 17 and into the playoffs. And like I said, with all of those injuries, guys have stepped in and they've played well. And, you know, it's just, you know, here we are. Yes, it's, a, it's just an amazing feeling. We're playing New England to go to the Super Bowl. And for me, as much as I am a fan, from a realistic perspective, I feel like we have a very good chance to take Tom Brady and the Patriots down. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said – we're going to have to put a lot of pressure on him. And I think we also have to really watch those intermediate routes because we struggle with those a little bit. And, but I, I firmly believe that this team has a great shot to win in Minnesota. And I love, the, I love the fact that we're underdogs. I think this team plays and relishes that aspect of, you know, where we are right now and, and as through the Atlanta and the uh, Minnesota game. So the Eagles are in a really good spot now, and it feels damn good to be an Eagles fan. <laughs> it sure does. Yeah, you mentioned the contributions from so many different players and overcoming all those injuries. I was thinking, there, there's not one guy who had an obviously bad season. For me, I was going to say a few weeks ago, Torrey Smith might have been the one underachiever. And then who has the huge game on Sunday after the first drop pass? Torrey Smith, Torrey including Smith. that amazing flea flicker touch. That was just fantastic. I, I, totally, I totally agree with you, Jim. And I think with Torrey, you know, just with my relationship you know, on the small level that I get to interact with the Eagles, I think his leadership, um, along with guys like Chris Long, Malcolm Jenkins, Tim Jernigan, there, there's some great leaders in that locker room. And there was, from the beginning of the season, at least from the defensive perspective, I think they had a little bit of a mojo. And I, there was, a, I, I think, over the last five, six years, you know, we had when Dawkins left, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't any kind of. I don't know, something was missing, especially with the defense. And when Jernigan came in, I think he really pushed, he really pushed Fletcher Cox. And that front four has been amazing. And as I said, the leadership has, has been 
extraordinary. And like I said, Torrey Smith, you know, he had a tough year, and then all of a sudden here comes the flea flicker. He's got the touchdown. And you look at guys like Nelson Aguilar, who struggled mightily last year. I mean, he's made major contributions all season long. And Nick Foles, we all worried after that Dallas game, that meaningless Dallas game, we all kind of got nervous and said, hey, I don't know if this is going to, you know, if we're going to be able to play. And and I I thought the game plan against the Falcons was really geared towards Nick's skill set. And then you look at what he did the other night, and it was just he he really looked a lot like the Nick Foles we remember with Chip Kelly. And you could see the interaction that maybe he had with, with Carson. He kept his eyes downfield. That's one thing that Carson Wentz does that I've seen in at least the first two years, especially this year. When Carson gets pressured, he steps up and keeps his eyes downfield, and that's exactly what Nick did on Sunday night, especially with that pass to Alshon Jeffrey. So um, if they play the way they did on Sunday night, I think we're, uh, we're going to have a, a pretty damn good time <laughs> in 11 days you know, and beyond. I think so. Yeah, it's going to be a party for like the next month. You know that. You know how Philly likes to party and how long we've waited I, I for a Super Bowl. I think it's years to come, Jim. I think it's yeah. years to come, and and um, yep. I, I can just imagine even like St. Patrick's Day this year, what that would be like. You know, because it's just oh, not, yeah. it's not going to end. And um, I really feel strongly. You know, I'm I'm a diehard Eagles fan, but just from a football perspective, hey, the Patriots. You know, I mean, they've done it. We all, I think we're all sick and tired of it, but guess what? We have the chance to beat them, you know? And if you yep. want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And now we, we've given ourselves that opportunity, and it's just, it's amazing. So happy. Mike, one or two more football questions in a few minutes. But first, uh, I want to talk about the Barkhan Foundation. You've been with sure. the Barkhan Foundation for a good while now, working with Mike and Ellen. In fact, I believe you just celebrated your fifth anniversary uh, as you know, I get to one or two of your events every year. Always a great time. So how is everything going with the foundation? And is it true you're giving away a pair of Super Bowl tickets later this week? Uh, that's a great question, Jim. Everything is going very well with the Barcan Foundation. We ended 2017 in an unbelievable fashion. Um, it was our Holiday Hearts program. Uh, the support that we received from the community was was amazing. And it started the year started with this Eagles team in the playoffs and we decided to do what we call donation campaigns. And we started it with the Falcons game and we raised quite a bit of money and we decided, Hey, let's do it again against Minnesota. We did it. And I guess it was yesterday. Uh, we decided to do the Super Bowl tickets and we raised $15,000 in less than 20 hours for the Super Bowl tickets. So, wow. So, yes, tonight we're announcing the, the winner of two Super Bowl tickets. Um, they'll be going to Minnesota. And then tonight, later this evening, after Michael Barkham makes the announcement, we are going to start round two of our Super Bowl tickets, and we're going to give an additional two tickets away. So, Oh, um, wow. It's, a, it's an amazing thing to be able to know that we're going to send most likely four people to the Super Bowl that are Barkham Foundation supporters. And that money will directly go to families that we support through the foundation's mission. We already have a, a couple that we, we've chosen, and they'll be receiving checks this week. Um, last week, we made a donation to a family who was needed renovations for a bathroom for a, a handicapped child. So, you know, the support that we receive allows us to, to help local families. And 
we are a family. It sounds cliched, and we, I feel like we mirror the Philadelphia Eagles in a lot of different ways. We're a family, and our supporters are the glue to that family, and it's just an honor to be a part of the Barcan Foundation and to get to work with Michael and Alan, not only on a working relationship, but we're, we're very good friends, have been for a long time, and you know how I feel about Michael and Alan. They're, they're, their name's just not on this foundation. They are ingrained and totally immersed in the foundation's mission. At the beginning of our talk with Vince Papali, he said some very nice things about you and your foundation, the, the Barkhand Foundation. What has Vince Papali meant to your foundation? Well, Vince and his wife, Janet, his beautiful wife, Janet, were just honored uh, this past spring uh, with the Spirit of Matthew Maggi Award. And Vince and Janet have supported us from day one. Uh, they're an amazing couple, great children, uh, Vinny and Gabby. And I think one of the most special things that we have in Philadelphia, people like Vince and Janet who played here, um, made a living here, are raising their children here, and now give back to the community in extraordinary ways. And, you know, John and Loretta Runyon are, are very much the same to the Barkan Foundation. Brian Dawkins has been a big supporter of ours, but has a very special way of connecting with people. And it's not just Eagles fans. He goes throughout the country, even the world, to speak to people about his story. And in my life, there, there's very few people that are able to connect on a genuine level in Vince's shoes, and he does that remarkably, as does Janet. But Vince, he just connects with people, and to the foundation, he's allowed us, he and Janet have allowed us to grow um, through their support. And, you know, like I said, they're a big part of this family. And as has John and Loretta, and you know the list, Brad Lidge, you know, Deuce Daly. There's so many former athletes, current athletes that have supported the foundation in an unbelievably positive manner. And Vince and Janet mean the world to us. They're, our, they're a big part of our family, and they've, they've really allowed us to become a big part of theirs as well. Great people for sure. And Vince said he just found out in the last couple of days that he is going to the Super Bowl, he and his wife and kids. My question, is Mike Barnes going to the Super Bowl? I'm happy to say uh, Heather Barnes and a few very close friends, yes. They are going to send me <laughs> for my 40th birthday, and I almost have a tear in my eye. I'm, I'm so grateful. And, yes, wow. tonight I'll be booking my airfare, and I will be going to Super Bowl 52 to root our Eagles on and against the Patriots and, and to a big victory, and the celebration is going to be incredible. But it's, I've, been to this, I've been very lucky to get the super, to the Super Bowl when I was younger, when Heather and I didn't have children. But to be able to go now as a dad of two children and my role with the Barcan Foundation, I think as you get older, too, you appreciate things a lot more. And, you know, life is all about experiences. And there's nothing quite like the Super Bowl, especially especially getting to see our Philadelphia Eagles in it. And we're going to win it. So we're very, very excited. And um, I consider myself to be a very, very lucky guy now to, to be able to, to book my trip tonight to Minnesota. That is fantastic, Mike. So I, I, that is an amazing 40th birthday, and I know uh, you're going to have a great time out there. And I wish you all the best. So, Mike, thanks so much for joining me here on Philly Press Box Radio once again. Your fourth visit, by the way. It is always great to talk to you, and go Birds. Jim, go Birds. We love you. We love you and your family. And listen, I hope we get to talk in a couple of weeks 
about how this Eagles team brings home and hoists the Super Bowl, the Lombardi Trophy, down Broad Street because this organization deserves it, this city deserves it, and the best fans in the world, the Eagles fans, all of us, we deserve it because we've been there, and now's our time. It's time for them, I like to say, to own the moment. And here we go. Go Birds. You got it. Thanks, Mike. All the best. Thanks a lot, Jim. Boy, can you tell Mike and Vince and I are pumped for this Super Bowl? Still 11 days away as we speak, and it's going to be a long week and a half as we wait for the actual game. Speaking of the Eagles, you'll find a link to it on our website, but there's a terrific piece by our buddy Fran Duffy at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Fran does an Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast on there, always good stuff. And his latest podcast and accompanying written piece is about how the Eagles offense dismantled the Vikings' vaunted defense. The third down efficiency, the burning of the Minnesota blitz schemes, that throw by Nick Foles that he was able to make, you know, his uh, – his touchdown passes to Alshon Jeffrey and the surprising flea flicker touchdown pass to Torrey Smith. A ridiculously good throw by Nick on that one. Anyway, Fran Duffy and Greg Cosell did a super job breaking it all down. That is on the website, PhiladelphiaEagles.com, and it's Fran's Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Always good stuff. All right, while well, we have a moment, a little Sixers and Flyers talk for you. Yeah, the Flyers have won, what, 8 of 9, 9 of 11, they're actually a playoff team as we speak. That is, if the season were to end today, of course, which is not happening. Still a long way to go, but they are playing very well. Actually, in Tuesday night's win over Detroit, they did not play that well, but they still managed to escape with a 3-2 overtime victory as Travis Konechny got the overtime game winner for a second straight game. Pretty impressive. Sean Couturier continues to play extremely well, unfazed by that all-star snub. And even goaltenders Brian Elliott and Michael Neuvert have looked pretty good. So maybe, just maybe, this Flyers team has really turned a corner. As I said, still a long way to go. As for the 76ers, they are over 500 and are now positioned to make a little move up in the standings. They are 22-21. and 21, And as of this moment, Wednesday evening, clinging to the eighth and final Eastern Conference playoff spot. But they are just three and a half games out of the third seed. Yes, the third seed, only three and a half games away. So obviously, if they can stay hot, and they can absolutely improve their playoff standing. And as you know, I do expect them to be a playoff team. But, oh, that game Monday night was quite disheartening. Yet another double-digit lead that they failed to hold. And this was against a not-real-good Memphis Grizzlies team that was missing a couple of key guys. The big culprit, sloppy play. 24 turnovers, and I think 10 of those came in the final quarter. Horrible. I'm sure Brett Brown is talking to his guys about it, but we're still not seeing enough signs of improvement. The 76ers lead the league in turnovers, 18.3 per game, worst in the league. Over the last three games, in fact, they've averaged 22 a game. That is also worst in the league over the last you know, week or so. On the positive side, Joel Embiid is an all-star and continues to play like one. Ben Simmons seems to be a little bit more willing to take a 12-foot jumper. Dario Saric is solid. I love that guy. TJ McConnell continues to take advantage of the playing time he gets. Now, I still want to see more consistency from Robert Covington. I'm hoping J.J. Redick is back soon from his injury. I would still prefer to see Rashawn Holmes rather than Amir Johnson in the rotation, but Brett Brown doesn't seem to agree with me. Oh, well. All that being said, it's going to be an exciting second half of the season for the Sixers, and I will be watching even more than I have been once the Super Bowl parade is behind us. See what I did there? 
All right. As I mentioned near the top of the show, we got word just before going on the air that Baseball Hall of Fame is inducting some new members this summer, including the former Phil's slugger Jim Tomey. I know he played for Cleveland for most of his career, but for me, he's a former Phil's slugger because he was great in his three initial years as a Phil. That is awesome news. In case you didn't hear, in addition to Tomey, the Hall is welcoming outfielder Vladimir Guerrero, the Padres' legendary closer Trevor Hoffman, and yes, the chipper, Chipper Jones, the Braves' great third baseman. It is deserved. Previously, of course, the Veterans Committee elected Jack Morris and Alan Trammell to join the Hall. That will happen this July. As I noted earlier, in case you were wondering, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens got more votes than in the past, but still not enough. They got about 57% each, and Kurt Schilling got 51%, so still well short of the necessary 75%. But Jim Tomey is going into the Baseball Hall this summer, so that is a beautiful thing. Now, for next week on our show, we will have more Eagles talk, of course, because Super Bowl LII, that is 52 in Roman numerals, will be a mere four days away at that time. And we'll be joined by two great guests to talk about it. The second one, not quite official yet, so I'm going to hold off on that one. I'll keep you in suspense. But our leadoff guest next week, Wednesday at 7 p.m., is a guy who has covered the Eagles and Sixers for a long time for the Bucks County Courier Times and other papers in that group. That is our pal Tom Moore. So Tom Moore and another special guest will be here next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Oh, a reminder to visit our website, phillypressboxradio.com. I told you there was that great piece on there today from Fran Duffy dissecting the Birds' blowout win over the Vikings. You get daily updates, a scoreboard tracking all the Philly teams, some articles from yours truly, much more. Please check it out, phillypressboxradio.com. In just a minute, I'll be back with my parting shot. Yeah, keep on believing. Tough doing a show when it's just uh, one person talking. You forget that, uh, you know, without that interaction that Bill and I normally have, the throat gets a little dry, and I didn't bring any water or wine or anything to sip on while I talk to you guys. All right, parting shot time. For a lot of big out-of-town sporting events, including the NBA Finals and World Series, the city of the visiting team gets to host a watch party at the team's arena or ballpark. Well, don't expect to be able to go to Lincoln Financial Field on February 4th to cheer on the Eagles while watching the Super Bowl on the stadium's 27-by-96-foot video screens. Barring a surprising last-minute policy change, it's not going to happen. But don't blame team owner Jeffrey Lurie, as the Philadelphia Inquirer's Ronnie Polineski has written in a series of columns in recent months, the NFL just doesn't allow it. She notes that the league owns the broadcast rights to all NFL games and has a long-standing policy of forbidding the, quote, mass out-of-home viewing of games. Why? Well, the league claims mass viewing would screw up Nielsen ratings numbers that are used to determine viewership and ultimately how much networks can charge advertisers for commercials. Currently a 30-second commercial, by the way, for this year's Super Bowl, going for a mere $5 million, maybe a smidge over $5 million now. Come on, how does a watch party screw up the numbers? You count the people who go to the link, report that number to the NFL and Nielsen, and boom, problem solved. In her latest column about it, Ronnie advocated charging fans $20 to attend a watch party at the link. People would pay it, you know that, with proceeds going to the Eagles Charitable Foundation. 
If, say, 60,000 fans showed up, that would be $1.2 million for a great cause, in this case, providing prescription eyeglasses for kids who need them. Her suggestion has so far landed on deaf ears at the NFL offices. But if you want to sign the petition to try to convince Roger Goodell and company to change that stance, go to change.org and add your name to the Free the Super Bowl campaign. In the movie Wall Street, Michael Douglas's character famously said, greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Well, right now the NFL is sounding a lot like Gordon Gecko. All right, with that, that will just about do it for this week's episode of Philly Press Box Radio. My buddy Bill Furman, as you know, under the weather, so hopefully he is recuperating and getting better and will be back to uh, join us next week. But in the meantime, we'd like to thank special guests, Vince Papali and Mike Barnes, the Irish Rover Station House, and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com for their continued support of the show. So for the ailing Bill Furman, feel better, pal. This is Jim Chesko, and we hope you enjoyed this week's show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, January 31st at 7 p.m. when Tom Moore and another special guest join us. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet at blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or the following day on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Mixcloud. And one more thing. I heard the story that uh, if you asked Alexa, you know, the Amazon Echo, who – to win the Super Bowl, that the pick is this year the Eagles. So I thought I'd check it out for myself, and I did. Here's what happened. Alexa, who will win the Super Bowl this year? I'm flying with the Eagles on this one because of their relentless defense and the momentum they've been riding off their underdog status. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Alexa needs a little work on that Eagles chant, but I do like the fact that she picked the Eagles to beat the Patriots in Super Bowl 52. We sure hope so. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and yes, go Birds! E-S-E-L-E-S, Eagles!